It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling brother welcome everyone to another edition of reliving the war this is the podcast where we delve deep into the archives of the monday night wars and do exactly what it says in the tin relive the wars my name is nimsis or joined as always by my tag team partner simon tackler and simon we have enjoyed 1999 on the wwf side so far when it comes to wcw we did have a Pretty good pay-per-view last time with Spring Stampede, but it was the exception, not the rule. Yeah, it may have been a fluke. I didn't want to get my hopes too high for this one, and I'm glad I didn't go into this with high hopes because, yeah, this great American bash sure wasn't great. You know what? What an epic endorsement of this pay-per-view. And as you know, for a WCW pay-per-view, we always like to have a guest with us. And joining us, actually, for the first time post-pandemic, our buddy Jack Trainer joins us. And Jack, welcome back to the podcast. I can't remember if last time we got you watching a WCW pay-per-view or a WWF one. Which one was it? You got me on for a WWF show. I can't remember the one. Um, but this is actually the first WCW uh, show that I have ever seen. Well, there you go. Like, so just fill fill us in for the uh, f- for those that might not have heard, uh, because we've been doing this show now for about three years, which is insane when you think about it. So fill us in for about your fandom, just in case for those new listeners catching up. Uh, sure. So yeah, late fan. Um, I got in late in life uh, after I'd finished high school and I had a whole bunch of free time on my hands, um, <laughs> filled that up with watching lots of wrestling. Uh, so I got in in like... 2009 so that's like pre uh prime randy orton viper uh john cena constantly over and over um so that was good i enjoyed that uh online they didn't seem to like it for some reason (laughs) um and then i also just got like obsessed and just like went back consumed everything i could find from that point so became got really into it and have sort of fallen off lately but sort of poke my head in every now and then when like you know cm punk shows up on aew or something like that which, just the... so people know, Jack and I have watched both of CM Punk's AEW returns together. Mm-hmm. So just to show that CM Punk will bring, bring fans back in, regardless of the situation. You are not wrong there. I mean, like, I actually only own, actually, no, that's a lie. I own two bits of AEW merch. One is the CM Punk return shirt, and the other one is an acclaimed uh, little jersey thingy. But you're right. CM Punk is the sort of gateway. So if all of you smart marks out there are like, going, oh, what about after Brawl Out? Shut it. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, speaking of, let's let's go back to the Great American Bash in 1999. And Jack, this being your first sort of experience of WCW, what were your initial impressions before you even started the pay-per-view? I mean, because there's been a lot of 
how to put this history is written by the victors and <laughs> it doesn't look too it's not too glorious for wcw is it no not at this point from what i've seen like mostly consuming like wwe propaganda it feels like <laughs> in their documentaries um, so i'm not I'm, I'm not sure if my uh perception is totally unbiased in how i view things but from what i understand i i, I feel like well from what i saw i don't really i'm not a historian in terms of dates and things like that it feels like this is the point where this this promotion is somewhat circling the drain mm. I think that's a fair assessment of that one. And look, let's kick into it because if you want to talk about a pay-per-view that's circling the drain from the get-go, when it starts off with Kurt Hennig greeting Master P and the No Limit Soldiers, I think it's pretty much set the tone, wouldn't you say, Simon? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think one of the most infamous storylines in WCW's later years, the rap is crap versus the No Limit Soldiers, the West Texas Rednecks. You know what? I'm so glad when this cold open hit and I saw this was the pay-per-view, I thought I'm so glad we've got Jack on because for people who wouldn't know, Jack is a huge hip-hop fan and really that's his expertise. So it's worlds colliding. Jack, what did you think of seeing Master P and Kurt Hennig going, you know, face to face? Look, I can't say Master P is in my like top 10 artists of all time. Um, I know about it, about it, which uh, yeah. did, does get uh, <laughs> dropped at the start of this uh, pay-per-view. But the thing that came out to me is like, why are those guys so quiet when they get out of the limousine? <laughs> They're silent. There's like 13 guys in the limousine and they quietly get out. I've never been in a limousine like that, but I assume you'd probably make a little bit of noise when you're hopping out of there with, you know, 13 of your best friends. Well, especially if you're bad about it because you'd be rowdy, rowdy when you get out of the limo and they sure weren't. Can I just say, what about, the, like, I thought it was interesting from a production standpoint, WCW just not knowing how to do these things. If this was the WWE, they would pipe in the audience so you could hear, like, cheering over this. This was so awkward because, yeah, it was quiet. Mm. Then you just get Kurt Hennig and Master P talking with just no atmosphere. It was so weird. <laughs> Not only that, if you don't know the backstory of Kurt Hedding, you would actually think like, geez, I didn't realize he was such a huge fan of Master P and the No Limit Soldiers uh, because it really sort of leads up the garden path really, really poorly as well. But yeah, this is, it's such a, I don't know why or who thought this was a great idea, but it does lead to months of programming involving Master P and the No Limit Soldiers, which is a sentence even in 2023 i can't believe is something that's in in, in reality but uh, we then move on to a little recap where we see you know the big storylines of this paper which is of course nash versus randy savage and jack you wouldn't know about this one but the white hummer was kind of like the big story arc in late 1999 w, uh, WCW to the point where when I first watched that bit of uh, that storyline, it was actually on Channel 9 when it used to be Monday nights, International Nitro Wrestling. It was an hour condensed show and the Hummer dominated, absolutely dominated. What was some of your memories, Simon, of uh, this little angle? I just know that, yeah, the White Hummer and Macho Man being in his midlife crisis pimp era, this was starting to turn me off WCW. This, re-watching this video and recapping the, you know, the epic prank war between Macho Man and Kevin Nash, 
it just made me remember and took me back to how much I was really starting to to hate it. Even as a kid, that's like the first instincts of like, I'm a smart fan or whatever the hell you want to like to being too smart for your own good of being like, this is just terrible. I know these guys and like them, but this storyline is, you know, not fun. When that's the first thing that you're greeted with, Jack, did you sort of like hover over the runtime and go, oh boy. <laughs> I must say, I when I first saw like, you know, we've got a car getting smashed into by another car. We've got uh, manure and sewerage <laughs> being poured on people's heads from buckets. I was like, attitude era this is <laughs> yeah, what i came yeah. for so i got I, i'm from being honest i'm like awesome this is uh, this is what i love someone's gonna get sprayed with a beer hose <laughs> <laughs> but i guess to me it just felt like it was too on the nose that it was them get, being desperate and trying to copy what wwe had been successful with mm. although credit to the woman who came out of the bag that was very impressive how did they put a woman in a duffel bag my my favorite part about that entire segment is obviously she didn't get out of the bag as quickly as Kevin Nash or Randy Savage anticipated because I think actually in the original Nitro broadcast, Kevin Nash and Macho Man basically go, oh yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm going to give you what you deserve. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you what you deserve. <laughs> like a couple of non-playable characters in an RPG. <laughs> um, we then get back uh, to live coverage of the paper where we do a stop down at the desk with the three guys, Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, and um, Bobby the Brain Heenan. All I could say is that Bobby the Brain looks absolutely disinterested, and I never pegged that uh, Mike Tanay would be such a huge fan of Master P, just listing every single accolade. <laughs> but well before Wikipedia, there was Mike Tanay. <laughs> was it the last show you guys got me on that had the insane clown posse on it? Was that was that the, the yes. show that we watched? The it was WWF King of, show? King of the Ring 97. Yes, and JR in that show was like, well, I like him, <laughs> like talking about <laughs> ICP. And then we come into this one, and Tanae is talking about how he loves Master P. So you can, it, it, there's a theme here. What's the next rapper you're going to bring me back for? <laughs> um, next trying to up. think of the timeline. Who on earth could it be? It could be um, maybe WrestleMania 2000 with Ice-T rapping D-Lo and the Godfather to the ring. Nice. What's it? What's it? And I know we're we're sort of dovetailing a little bit, but uh, so I don't know if you remember this one, but allegedly in two thousand and three, the WWE was in talks to try and get Jay Z to be at WrestleMania to do a rap battle with John Cena, but plans just fell through. Yeah, I do remember that because then um, wasn't it a thing where John Cena on the pre-show got like a cardboard cutout or something? And, yeah, yeah, and that would have been huge. That would be a clip they would reuse because of how famous both guys would, you know, continue almost, to become. Almost like that footage of LeBron in at a Raw in 04 where he's got the flip phone and he's taking photos and selfies and stuff like that. Absolutely crazy. Um, next up, it is a promo hype vid. And this is like a real WCW... I don't know, man. What, what? How would you describe this? Because I started writing down what each feud was and then it just came so thick and fast that I was just like whoa 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 oh my god this is going through the entire card at breakneck speed here like yeah the first note I got is hack and Brian knobs and then I'm like breakneck speed full stop <laughs> yeah I didn't understand this so backwards some of the production choices they make why would you run through the card when the show's already started with a new video shouldn't this have come at the start of the show I don't know but I was uh, checking the time here so it's 
eight minutes before the first entrance starts. To me, that just takes the wind out of your sails. You're all excited. There's pyro eight minutes before anything happens. That being said, though, it does run through, like I said, like there's a there's a big amount of names on that card. So when you saw that, Jack, you sort of like, were, were you making mental note? Like, okay, hang on. So we've got a sting match coming up. Like that's that, that would seem pretty good. Flair Piper, yeah, know these guys. Like, so when you saw that little hype video, did it do its job and get you like looking forward to some of the stuff? I know it started off with Hack versus Brian Nobbs, but did it? Do you think like, no, this couldn't be, this can't be that bad? There's, it starts, and I'm like, I don't know a lot of these guys. I don't know who these guys are. Uh, and yeah, there's a few faces that I that I recognize in there. But I I totally agree with what both of you said. It's just like so fast that writing's coming up on the screen that extremely 1999 writing appearing on the screen it's just overwhelming and it was just i i i checked out almost immediately i'm like i i need to conserve my my energy i can't burn any on this so silly so silly and then if that if that doesn't like you know get you fired up or at least dull the flame of enthusiasm next up it is brian knobs versus hack aka the sandman from ecw uh i love that they try to rewrite history simon here by sort of going like brian knobs was hardcore before hardcore was a thing and then he comes out and does his full it's a nasty day in baltimore and he asks hack if he wants to settle this with no weapons. So he immediately comes out and they're spruiking him up how hardcore he is. He's such a veteran of all these hardcore matches. And the first thing he says is, how about we do this without any weapons? Yeah, the whole thing was ridiculous. Um, I think he didn't say the word nasty enough, as we've established. <laughs> That's kind of all he does in his um, in his He's promos, and there wasn't enough here. Although he did give a shout out to Miss Nasty, didn't he? Yep. And he said he dedicates this match to her. And I think as we established on the last show, something, a fun fact we didn't know, he's married to Greg the Hammer Valentine's uh, sister. Hmm. So that's who Mrs. Nasty is. Or Mrs. Nobbs, either way. <laughs> well, either way, I, I, my, the match starts off with a swerve. And we know it's a swerve because Tony Schiavone tells us it's our first swerve of the evening where Hack takes out, uh, well, Nobbs takes out Hack with a trash can. And it is then on like a Donkey Kong here. It's, it's yeah, someone I'm well versed with this one with the typical 90s, uh, late 90s garbage sort of brawl. Uh, what did you think of this one, Jack? Because you, you we saw it a fair bit, like with Al Snow and Hardcore Holly and that kind of ilk in the Attitude Era, when you saw the WCW-branded version of it, what did you think? Um, It's pretty, it's a, quite a forgettable match, isn't it, it to, really is. to start out with. It's really, there's not too much you could say about it. Um, The thing I found myself mostly wondering while watching this match is how thick do you guys think those metal trash cans that they hit each other are? Like, how, th how thick do you think the metal is? Do you think it's on the on the scale of, like, roast tray mm. to like a can of sun kissed like which which one do you think is where do you think it's at when you say roast tray you're saying like uh, a thick real one or like all one the of ones, ones that, the foil ones the foil ones you would just pull out at an you know a barbecue at a park and chuck sausages in the foil ones oh that's the bottom of the scale, top That's of the scale. Sun kissed can. Scale we, is a can. We know this is the standard scale. 
So I always thought, because at the rate that they sort of crumple, I always thought it was like, you know, the the pack of 10 alfoil that you get from, you know, mm. coals and load up with sausages. Um, it was only like, you know, when you actually see like in, in school, one of those uh, um, aluminiums or whatever it was made out of uh, bins that you're like, this looks kind of solid. So I don't know if they're gimmicked or not. But oh, it's definitely not a school trash can. Those no, ones are heavy. It's not yeah. one of those green ones. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. no. I, I reckon can of Sunkist at most. You could hit me one. Yeah, an hit me in one. the head with one of them. It'll be fine. Yeah, an empty one, right? Not, not a full, a full can of Sunkist. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. No, but I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree that they crumple at the rate of uh, of an Alpha one, but I'd reckon that was Sunkist worthy. Mm. Empty can of sunk is just to clarify. <laughs> Good. Glad we got to the bottom of that one. Yeah, really... That was more interesting than the match. That's all we can say. I, I My note was that, oh my God, I zoned out. I actually missed basically all of this match. Yeah. I will yeah. say though, I thought the finish was very fun with uh, Nobs trying to run pack into Jimmy Hart, who was on the apron with a chair. They did the old do-si-do reversal thing. The bump that Jimmy Hart took with knobs running into him was fantastic into a roll up or, or no, into a huge kendo stick shot. It was a fun ending. So the match was worth it for three seconds. Yeah. And then post match, we see Hugh Morris coming out and they beat down Hack, leaving him in a mess. There's a no laughing matter moonsault and then knobs off the top. Um, I, I don't even know where this led to. Was it was that like a faction, Simon? Well, remember Hugh Morris used to be part of the Dungeon of Doom, so now he's reuniting with Jimmy Hart and the uh, uh, first God. family. They, they're going back to that old, I guess, the Memphis group that Jimmy Hart had. This goes nowhere, though. Nowhere mm. fast. Um, but Jack, uh, I guess you said you'd never seen WCW. What do you think of the pun name of Hugh Morris? Because I was trying to think of some other ones, and the one I got... It's a guy who's got a really good vocabulary and his name is Dick Shinari. Oh, that's good. Are you going to say thesaurus or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This starts a streak in the show of just like the most forgettable people that you could ever hope to see once Hugh Morris arrives. <laughs> that. That is the best way to sum that up because we then get a, a a little backstage vignette with Roddy Piper. It's Buff and Buff Bagwell and Piper backstage, and the, the bit that really made me chuckle was Piper addressing him as Mister Stuff. <laughs> well, that was the highlight of it, and. I, I there's nothing really. There's no substance to that little backstage thing. Do you got anything to say about that one, Simon? No, nothing. I just thought it was the first time that someone was excited to be wrestling Disco Inferno. Just Buff <laughs> had to be real excited about that. Um, so, yeah, no, a nothing segment. Uh, Jack, when you see a legend like uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper speaking with someone on not definitely his wavelength uh, in Buff Bagwell, did you sort of think like, wow, this is why I, I never went back and tried to catch up on WCW? <laughs> I must have blacked out for this part, like Simon did, because I don't remember this at all. It, yeah, it was. It is literally one line, and the thing that takes up most of the of the one line that I've written down here is Roddy Piper and Buff Bagwell in red font. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of just mediocre, next up it is Mikey Riprep taking on Van Hammer. My first dot point here is I completely forgot Van Hammer 
existed until his entrance. Uh, the common, the common, uh, the commentary team did their best bet to sell him, and Tony Schiavone unconvincingly says, "I think this could be a new, a good match." He's wrong and he's lying. I will say, Bobby Heenan mispronouncing Whipwreck a bunch of times did get funny because the other announcers just started cracking up, cracking up. And yeah, the whole gag was that he was getting close to calling him shitwreck or whatever. <laughs> and they just kept saying, like, they're like, oh, you don't get too close to saying it. They're all having fun while the crowd is chanting boring. That kind yeah. of sums up this match. Yeah, it's it's it was a battle to watch. So when you get like as I said last time, when we got you in for King of the Ring, uh, Jack, you had this was an era where you're seeing the rise of Stone Cold, you know, the early metamorphosis of Triple H, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now we've given you Mikey Whipwreck versus Van Hammer, which couldn't be more generic versus generic <laughs> if we tried. So I'm sitting there and Mikey Whipwreck comes out, a guy I've never heard of. Um, and I'm sitting there going like, how is this a guy's name? Mikey Whipwreck. This means nothing. Um, and I'm sitting there just being like, there could not be a worse name than this. And then they announced Van Hammer. Speaking of like RPG character names, Van Hammer is an RPG character name. And he comes out just soaking wet. That dude is just drenched. And I don't know if you noticed by the end of at the start of the match, he was wet like Aquaman. And by the end, he was dry like Kurt Cobain. He looks like a completely different guy. <laughs> so all I've got written down here, and this is awful to write, but I'm just like actually having trouble keeping my eyes open here. <laughs> <laughs> Tuned out a bit after they went to the outside, and I had to catch up on the replay. I think what we're learning so far, whatever, 20 minutes into this pay-per-view, if you need help sleeping, put this show on, because we all blacked out at different points. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's get on to the next match because this one at least has some semblance of uh, names that we all know and recognize. I was going to say no one loved and promptly course corrected myself beforehand, but it's Disco Inferno taking on a buff Bagwell. And I've written down here, this is a hell of an extended entrance for Disco, but uh, looking around, the crowd is into it. So I can't can't completely crap on it because as you can see, like, the crowd does love these two guys. And these are, I guess, like Jack, these are actually the two guys. I don't want to say they were the guiding lights of, uh, or the highlights of 1999 WCW, but they kind of were. Wow. That yeah. says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so Buff Bagwell's, his first name is just Buff. That's well, his name. His first name is Marcus. So they would refer to him as Marcus Buff Bagwell. And then it, they just dropped that and just went with Buff. Well, your boy Buff. Buff yeah. Daddy. Yeah. Buff Daddy, Buff the Stuff. It's a fun nickname, I think. And I've also written down this note here too. Like Buff, like I don't care what anyone says, Buff's theme is a banger uh, because featuring great lyrics by Buff interjecting the Buff Daddies that constantly keep going. I just love how he's like, you know, Buff is the stuff. And then the other one of I'm Simply Delicious. <laughs> it's another one. <laughs> 
that is thrown in there. And another thing too, we we talk about um, Van Hammer looking like Jason Moama at the start of his match. <laughs> Buff looked like he was just dropped in a vat of like Johnson and Johnson baby oil and just picked out with a claw. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Look, Buff looked amazing. No wrestler looked better than Buff in 1999. And I was, I say it again. I don't think we were wrong at the time for thinking this guy was going to be. A huge, a huge superstar. Star, yeah. Like he had the the entrance, the gimmick. He would talk to the camera. He looked good. He wrestled good enough. He was young. I think we established he was still in his only his late twenties at this point. And yeah, it just never happened. I think Disco as well, though. We've said it a lot during his matches on this show. Looking back, Disco is kind of underrated. He's got a gimmick. The crowd loves it. They showed all those hot chicks in the crowd during his entrance, and Tony <laughs> Schiavone got. Uh, very excited about it. And then you had Buff as well. I thought, and this is weird, this was one of my favorite matches of the night because it was just a match. Like they started with running the ropes and wrestling and like taunting each other. And then the other guy would do the move back to him and then he'd do his taunt and they'd go up to the crowd and like one would get a boo, one would get a cheer. Sometimes you don't have to overthink it. Just have a character and do your moves properly. And that's all this was. Yeah, it really was just like a harmless, it was perfectly acceptable wrestling. And at this point in time in the paper, <laughs> it is a welcome breath of fresh air. But when you see Buff versus Disco Inferno and taking all, um, you know, the pr- like what you thought of these guys prior going in, what did you think of the match, Jack? So Disco Inferno is the first guy that I have known uh, that has come to the ring, like has actually wrestled at this stage. So I'm like, oh, great. A guy I know. Awesome. Mm. I'll watch this. Um, And yeah, I I, I agree with you, Simon. This felt like the best match so far. Felt like a proper match. Felt like real wrestling. Um, I thought um, Disco Inferno was like a, you know, what's uh, the guy who gets hit by the guitar? Uh, Honky Tonk Man. I thought he was like a a gimmick, like just a joke character who just came in and got beaten up. I didn't realize he actually had good matches um or had matches um so that was that was cool to see it was good yeah no honestly he does have good matches like so the running theme of the wcw episodes is that conan is one of the worst wrestlers ever on (laughs) pay-per-view the best match he's ever had so far was against disco inferno and it was legitimately good so i think disco is kind of underrated i've never known the story as to why he never went to wwe after the the sale but i think he's another missed opportunity both of these guys surely would have done better than some of the guys they picked up in the invasion the, the only thing i can think of that might have been his big um big blight would have been the fact that he uses the stunner as a as a oh. finisher give him but another surely finisher. yeah surely you could just change it to, i mean like they, it so the stunner that he uses is called the chart buster here, but they also refer to it as the last dance as well. So it's not like you could, you couldn't rebrand it, but you're right. This is so far the match of the night. We see a chart buster. This is what I like to call classic um, night, late nineties video game strategy, because he does like the finishing move on the outside, then runs back into the ring and waits for buff to be counted out. Yeah, that's always the cheap move. Like if you're doing season mode and you just can't be bothered grinding through another pointless match just to get stats, you're like, I'll just chuck the guy out of the ring, hit my finisher and get the count out. (laughs) So that's what Disco was doing. 
But then Buff got back in. He hit the blockbuster, which, you know, I think he kind of made that move famous, the top Correct. rope neck breaker. Mm. And it's awesome. He hit it, the crowd loved it, and he won. Like, sometimes it's good to just see a good guy beat a bad guy and that's it. Disco, um, he also, oh, what I loved about the ending too, Buff goes and fakes the blockbuster and Disco ducks it. Like, it's a, it's actually, you know, it's the smartest thing that Buff Bagwell's ever done in his entire tenure that we've seen so far. But um, yeah, Buff hits the blockbuster for the win. Everyone's happy, perfectly acceptable match. And we move on to a video package of Kurt Hedding and the Conan feud. And it, all I could say is it looks really confusing because there is no music again. It's... <laughs> Their production value, Simon, like, what the hell? Yeah, no music, no voiceovers, no no effort put into it. You just see Kurt Hennig and Conan talking about music. Jack, in your estimation, can you even recap what you think this feud is about and what is happening as someone oh. who never lived through it? It feels like um, uh, Kurt uh, Hennig really doesn't like that rap music um, <laughs> and gosh it's it's really not good and ray mysterio and conan they they love the rap music <laughs> so they're gonna fight is what it feels like to me is that right that is it in a that nutshell. is literally it in a nutshell yeah and is, uh, while we're while we're st staying on ray mysterio what did you think like seeing him unmasked more like sinead mysterio <laughs> dude looked like sinead o'connor <laughs> What the hell? Put the mask back on. You look like a baby. Wow, I've heard a lot of comparisons. I've never heard Sinead O'Connor. That's fantastic. Uh, well, after that recap plays, all of a sudden there was like, if, if we could, if we could have the Xbox 360 achievement unlock sound uh, pop up, now would be a perfect time because uh, it would then pop up with the for me in my brain with like, oh, that's right, DJ Ran. He was a thing. Uh, nothing of note, no, absolutely nothing of note. He was, how would you call him something like the hype man for the crowd? Yeah. I forgot about this whole era where they had him in the crowd, hyping people up. Why did WCW keep trying things like this? Nitro girls, a hype man. It's so weird. It, it's I've written down here, a real identity issue in 1999. And, uh, when you're smack bang into the middle of a pay-per-view that's been middling to fair at the moment jack and all of a sudden you see like a dj trying to hype the crowd uh that looks like a budget fat man scoop <laughs> what did you think man a budget fat man scoop you're saving money at that stage <laughs> he pays you um so um i thought um master p was coming out to do a performance i thought that guy was master p's dj and i was like man it's taken these guys a long time to get to the stage and then they just sat down mm. um so i was like oh yeah i'm sure they're gonna sit there for the whole show and nothing will happen mm. Mm. my next note is master p and the no limit soldiers come out dot 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 i don't know what i'm watching here <laughs> dj ran then throws it to this and this is verbatim my man, David Penzer. Do you reckon that <laughs> sentence has ever been said prior to that, Simon? Probably not prior or since. My man, David Penzer. <laughs> Which then segues us perfectly into uh, Kurt Hedding and Bobby Duncan Jr. Taking on Conan and Rey Mysterio. Mike Tanay, uh picking rap over country music is borderline ridiculous. Um, and it's the first time that the rapper's crap theme is heard on paper, I think. And Tony Schiavone also says the phrase, 
get all up in your area. Did you pick up on that one, uh, James? Is <laughs> is one with the kids <laughs> with a phrase like that. All I could think of is that gif of Steve Buscemi with, you know. <laughs> Oh man, it is it is weird. And I've just my next dot point, dot point says Conan and Ray come out dressed interestingly, and we've seen some interesting entrance attires, Simon. But do you know what was the context behind this? Uh, I don't know the overalls and gas masks. I got no idea, but it was just that you know futuristic kind of punk look. I have no idea, Jack. I thought, it, to you. I thought it looked cool as hell is what I thought. <laughs> I actually have that written down. They look so friggin' cool. Wrestlers should dress like this again is yeah. what I've written. It's like, yeah, it's like they came out of Cyberpunk 2077. Like <laughs> all their clothes are all messed up and not matching. It's like the loot they found off some random guys. <laughs> um, but no, I thought they looked cool. But it obviously affected uh, Conan's ability to wrestle with the amount. Like it was falling <laughs> off in the match. Oh, uh, no, that's very funny. That's just the level of athlete he normally that's, is. Oh, that's normal. <laughs> it's actually pretty good for Conan. Like, oh, okay. All I can oh, think wow, of... he must be weighed down by these heavy boots. No, that's just <laughs> how he runs. So when when talking about like when they did come out like in those uh, attires, it's like, do you remember when you tried to create a skater and Tony Hawk and you're flicking through all the options? That looked like one of the preset <laughs> options. <laughs> Clothes all big, like it's not like yeah. quite touching your skin, like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. Um, and can uh, I just say, I'm looking on genius.com. Did you know the lyrics to rap is crap are up on here? Oh, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, verse one I like country music, I like country girls, I like Willie Nelson, and don't forget about Merle. Mm. There's only yeah. one thing that I hate, and it's a bunch of crap. I I I hate rap. If mm-hmm. I recall, is the next yeah, one. Yeah, you are absolutely spot on. <laughs> yeah, uh, when you had free to air television uh, and only free to air television, and you're a wrestling fan in 1999. You watched a lot of Nitro. Just put it out there, Jack. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, so there's another bit too. It, it's a yeah. How do we describe this match? It's uh, it's interesting to say the least. And Master P gets involved quite early, um, slapping. Kurt Henning at the outside and Bobby the Brain is really the voice of reason here. They like Mike Tanay and Tony Schiavone are doing their absolute best to just try and justify why Master P and the No Limit Soldiers are out there. Whereas Bobby the Brain seems to be the only one here on planet Earth going, What is going on with these guys? <laughs> mm. Yeah, they were really not letting Bobby be the voice of reason here. He wasn't even necessarily being a heel, he was just using logic. And even at one point, like this is. I think the era where I think it's almost over for him where he ends up blowing up with Tony and leaving. But he said at one point, he's like, oh, you know, Kurt Hennig is really dangerous and smart. You know, I know his family. I used to manage his dad. Mm. And Tony's like, oh, Bobby, you've already told us that. You tell us that all the time. Hey, not everyone watches every pay-per-view, Tony. Why don't you let him bloody give context to the match yeah exactly. every time this happens so often god damn tony shivani was annoying on commentary sometimes um jack being your first wcw uh pay-per-view and seeing this is this is the sort of i wouldn't say it's peak ray mysterio like because obviously he had a wonderful second chapter in wc and wwe and then you know had to continue that post stem cell surgery and whatnot where he's still doing it to today but um, when you see him in this era, you know, with the big overalls and stuff like that, it's 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 weird because when I was watching it, and I was like, actually watched the product back then, it's almost like this can't be the same dude. Um, 
it's it's just so bizarre to see him without his mask on like that that's just so very very jarring to to have someone who's been on my tv for in wrestling for the entire time that i've watched wrestling Mm. there's always been the ability to go and watch Rey mysterio matches like going back to like i have seen bits and pieces of wcw stuff like you know eddie guerrero and Rey mysterio halloween havoc stuff like that seeing there then to see him here just like bare face just like it's not the same and yeah it's just you can see why he's never done that again um because it's yeah they're just the the magic is gone um when he doesn't have that mask on and just his incredibly childlike face yeah and especially the fact that you know he's sort of wrestling at a not the, at the level that we're used to i mean you talk about those eddie guerrero matches you talk about even his wwe run it's phenomenal and there's so many highlights from it, but there's a reason why you never see any maskless um, Ray highlights because it's kind of garbage and I'm not being too, like, I don't think I've been too harsh on. Can, can you think of a of during Ray's brief maskless run where it was like, that's a banger. Got to get well, amongst you that. You say it's brief, but it's almost two years still. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's yeah, a while. I don't know. Let's wait. But again, he joins the, um, misfits in action is that right no the now filthy, the, animals. Now filthy animals yeah i'm sure there's some okay matches but you're right none stand out as classics no one ever is like oh i remember that one he had in a weird way it's crazy to think because he's still so young and has you know over 20 years to go and counting past this point but i remember as a kid at this point we we're like oh ray mysterio kind of sucks now he's kind of past his prime like there's that kind of thought when clearly he wasn't even close to it yet like yeah, it's just in a weird lull, being maskless. Yeah, um, this is this is almost like you know, like Earth One B Ray Mysterio, sort of, <laughs> <laughs> just in the multiverse. But uh, so we'll get back to the match. Conan has a hot tag and an X factor on Bobby Duncan Jr. and Ray does the Bronco Buster. Uh, Masterpiece bodyguard takes out Bobby Duncan and uh, Swole is his name. Uh, big big Swole. Swole. Yeah, Big Swole. My apologies there, <laughs> but um, and he gets it, it just. It delves into chaos. It's that's mm. the best way to sort of say it when you say Simon. Yeah, look, the crowd did get into the shenanigans at the end. They were very excited to see Big Swole. Um, I just think I, it's forgot, funny. I forgot to mention Bobby Bobby Windham. Uh, Barry Windham comes out as well. Yeah, so Barry Windham comes out, and they make note that Barry Windham is wearing work gloves, uh, which doesn't help because Big Swole just takes him out anyway at some point. <laughs> but what was weird? So the good guys win in the end. The No Limit soldiers get involved to fight off the rednecks, but then they're escorted out by security and the good guys just get the absolute crap beat out of them to the point where they hogtie Rey Mysterio. It was very odd that no one decided to help them because the No Limit soldiers and Master P were just like, yeah, yeah, walking down the aisle and just never came back to help. It was weird. It was one of the strangest, Peter. And look, it's it's a staple a post-match beatdown. Have you ever seen in all of your years of watching wrestling, Jack, be it whatever company, have you seen someone get hogtied in the middle of the ring? Oh, actually, actually no, wait. Poorly hogtied <laughs> in the middle of the ring. He was loose very quick after being <laughs> hogtied. But no, I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, why are the No Limit Soldiers getting kicked out and the wrestlers are just allowed to pull out a rope and tie up a man in the middle of a ring with a crowd of people just watching. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What's the logic? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't don't push Barry Windham, but uh, <laughs> it's all good. If you want to hogtie a guy, go for it. 
Mm. Um, we then go back to the desk before we get to our next match, which is Ernest the Cat Miller versus Horace Hogan. And my first dot point here is, oh God, Horace Hogan comes out and he's cutting a promo. Um, let's go. First impressions of Horace Hogan, <laughs> Jack. I just, uh, I don't even remember that guy because all I could think of was when they said three-time karate world champion, the cat. <laughs> I'm like, get this off my screen. This is offensive that you're making me look at this. Hey, he's a three-time karate champion, legit. Karate you know, world champion. Karate world champion, Ernest Miller. Horace the Hogan, cat. though, like just if you think the cat is bad enough, you've now got Horace Hogan. Talking about his promo, though, like, Clearly, the charisma and speaking ability doesn't run in the family because <laughs> Hulk Horace ain't. His ending line of, hey, cat, you couldn't beat yourself up if you know what I mean. What <laughs> does that mean? <laughs> I, I've i also uh, written down here, my next note is Mid-Carter Mania is running wild. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely awful. I don't know what we can... I'll try go for some highlights here, but... Uh... Uh, the cat, for some reason, calls out Scott Norton. Is, 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 don't they say at the start of this match that he's going to wrestle Scott Norton and then this other guy comes out? Or did I just get confused? You're probably right, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> probably right. I feel like the commentator's like, oh, he's prepared for this other wrestler. Now this this dude's here. And then then they're just like, okay. To, to be fair. each other, I guess. In June 1999, you could put both uh, Horace Hogan and Scott Norton in the middle of a shopping centre, and I guarantee you no one would be able to tell the difference. <laughs> Even they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, Horace stalks uh, Sonny Ono out to the outside a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a bits and pieces. I use the term match loosely. Uh, the cat puts on a loaded shoe that's in a briefcase and knocks out Horace, then gets the pin with his foot on the ropes. He then does the whole James Brown shtick with the cape on him and Am I really missing anything here, Simon? I don't know, but you recapping it makes me realize that I wasn't watching this at all because I don't <laughs> yeah. remember any of that. Yeah, I just but... remember Horace Hogan had a super wet beard. Like he was <laughs> wet as hell. And also, <laughs> it is it was probably... that. It, there's been a lot of NWO merchandise, but just seeing NWO in giant letters on his ass <laughs> is... I was just... I was just like, that is not a good look, mate. That is no, really not a good look. Not the best bit of merch. I will say, you recapping the ending, though, the other thing about it is that, okay, Horace Hogan is never a face. He's a heel because he's like the worst guy in the NWO. Why would... Because who the hell was the good guy? Why would the cat use a loaded shoe and also win when there's a foot on the rope? Who the hell are we meant to like in this match? No one? Yes, is the answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if the objective was to turn off everyone watching right now, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Simple as that. But uh, look, then it, that leads us into a video recap of Roddy Piper versus Flair. One of my favorite things about any ex WWF guy that was in WCW is they always referred to WCW as the WCW, and it always amuses me. I don't know if it popped you too, Simon. Um, and a sign of the times. Did you pick this one up, Jack? He drops in a Phantom Menace reference. What? Where? What was this? How did I miss this? This is my my wheelhouse. Well, no, it was Roddy Piper trying to be current with events, and he said, "I've got two 
uh, two partners, you can call them Phantom and Menace. It wasn't. It wasn't really a super. Yeah, not. A, it's not a deep cut. It's not even a. Was cut it a reference? No, it was really not a reference at all. It's like yeah. saying, yeah, you know, you know what's going to happen at the end of this match. You're going to yeah. die hard. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Yeah, if we're staying with the times, it's just like oh, I've got a, I've got two opponents for you that'll give you deep impact. But yeah, done a judge our Binks impression. That would have really <laughs> suck on. I beat you up, son. I feel like Roddy Piper's probably done that voice in a promo before, but it wasn't a reference to Star Wars. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Um, it's it's, a, the, the, it's actually the other funny thing about this promo I want to say is that they only show clips of Dean Malenko talking and not Benoit. When you're in a tag team and like you're the least charismatic out of Dean Malenko being your <laughs> partner, you know where he's down. Like Benoit really was absolute garbage when it came to any of that. He really was like fantastic in the ring. Yeah, maybe not so much outside of it. But yeah, basically the storyline is the horsemen are imploding. We then see, uh, with then leads us to the match, which is Ric Flair with Arn Anderson and Asia versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. There is a hell of a lot at stake in this match. You've got the presidency of WCW here, and also another stipulation of Buff Bagwell getting the ball. That's the stakes. They constantly hammer home the Buff Bagwell's got a lot riding on this because he's been promised to be given the ball. That make of that if you will like impressions gents simon what do you think of that one i don't understand the stakes at all um and whose side is on who for what reason um i have no idea i will say we're talking about oily beards before and oily men roddy piper was oh. looking so oily as well it was good grease he was greased up to the he's max got that, he's got that wet chest man yeah. it's like Real it's wet. Wet. sloppy he must have he must have like walked into Buff and Van Hammer like as he was coming out of the, as he was coming out of the entrance. But uh, that's the vignette we missed. We saw Buff and Roddy talking in one segment, but we didn't see them just bathing in a vat of oil together. <laughs> <laughs> Off camera, yeah, that yeah, one yeah, didn't yeah. make the didn't make the cut. But Jack, I want to say what's funny is obviously you know who China is. What mm. was your thoughts on uh, WCW's great value? version asia <laughs> well it's a bigger area isn't it so they're actually in that that front so you actually say like you saying that line that is actually something that was used on air in nitro like they actually made the thing like we all asia much bigger than china <laughs> was actually oh, a line God. that was used yeah well look <laughs> i could write for 1999 wcw it turns out <laughs> Did you notice too that Mike Tanay was commentating like he was in a video game, like just in sound bites? Maybe he needed to piss during this match and they just <laughs> brought out the old Tanay tape recorder. It's just a video game audio. That just, yeah. Somebody's playing the game. Yeah, I, um, I did find it odd that he did mention that the clowns in Congress and what a bunch of clowns they were. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, look, Rowdy Rod, it's a, it's a weird, it's your standard 80s kind of match. Piper versus Ric Flair in 1999 WCW, to say the least. The both men are past their primes. But Jack, were you, were you surprised at how, even in this era, Ric Flair is still the biggest thing in WCW? 
oh yeah like right away this comes in and like st- straight away this is the thing i'm most interested in on this show um is seeing these two guys uh go at it here um and yeah rick flair or as my notes have auto corrected him to rice flair um, <laughs> it's a great and, yeah, name he, for a shop <laughs> yeah, that's it um he um he just looks great at this point. I feel like, like he's still old, but like he still has a lot of the hair. Like he doesn't look as cut up as he do, as he looks later in life and mm-hmm. as wet eyed. Um, <laughs> so he just he he looks great. Um, and yeah, I, I thought this was a really fun match. I thought so too. Honestly, we like Jack. You missed out. You got to go watch it. I forget the pay per view, but these guys had an amazing match. I think it was a year and a half before this. This one's not as good as that one, but I really enjoyed this too. Because anytime they wrestle and Piper's the face and Flair's the heel, you kind of know what you're going to get. And it's very fun. Like they just did all their rubbish for 10 minutes. Mm. The slapping, the weird boxing that Roddy Piper does, the Flair flop. Flair getting pants. Yeah, Yeah, Flair's got to get mooned at some point. He got (laughs) thrown off the top rope. Flair did the bit where he pushes the ref, but then the ref pushes him harder. (laughs) They just did all their crap and it was pretty fun. The mm. ending, though, when we get to it, was one of my least favorite things on this yeah. show. Yeah, very much so. So Arn Anderson helps Flair with the figure four, which is another little mm. uh, um, mm. little bit of uh, Flair's greatest hits as well. Which, when you like, try and think about it logically, how does that help? <laughs> it only helps. Too. Yeah, you're stretching him like one of those old yeah. medieval devices. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta break him like Ric Flair is getting stretched in that oh, situation. Actually, yeah, you're right. yeah. Not to 50. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so, uh, yeah. So, as Arn Anderson is doing that, that brings out Buff Bagwell. Now, Bagwell clears house and the bell rings for a DQ, but then he gets beaten down by Flair, Piper, and Double Eight. Now, this is the part where I got confused because. It's not a it's not a Piper heel turn, is it? Like, did you boys both get the, like fall into the same trap of like, is Piper turning heel? Like, what's going on? I here? thought it was a Piper heel turn. What about you, Jack? Did you think it was a Piper heel turn? Because my impression, at least from the commentary, was that Piper's annoyed at Buff because Buff's just cost him the match in WCW mm. presidency. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Arn Anderson like spine busters the hell out of Buff, mm. and then then yeah, Piper starts getting into it as well. And my notes on this bit are: what is happening? Are Rick <laughs> Piper, uh, are Rick Flair and Piper friends? Was this all a ploy to get Buff to come out? That's yeah. that was my. I was extremely confused by this ending to the match. I did not understand at all. Yeah, like why were they working together at the end? Why would they work together after Roddy Piper's just been punched in the face with brass knucks? Mm. The whole thing was weird. And then the commentary team did even say, oh, well, you know, the old guard sticks together. But why? Why is any of this happening? This is what happens when WCW got desperate and wanted to try and be like, oh, exciting and swerves like WWE. They're just missing. Mm. uh, Even if you want to say there wasn't a lot of logic with Russo's booking, at least there was usually more than this. What on earth was this? Yeah. I'm pretty sure the Piper's reasoning is literally one line that Mike Tanay says at the end of the match as they throw probably seconds before they go to DJ Ran. Because mm. he's probably the only one there that's realized, I think we need to put some context here, yeah, guys. we should probably but... try and cover. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, it's a, you're right. It's a very confusing sort of ending to this match. Um, and then just to really digest it, back to DJ Ran. 
who uh, takes on a bit of feedback, um, but does a few scratches, which is kind of nice. <laughs> Next up, it is Sting versus Rick Steiner, and uh, we get ourselves a little recap of it. This is also another bit of um, WCW 1999 that unlocked in my mind. Tank Abbott. Now, do you know anything about Tank Abbott at all, Jack? No, I don't know who that is. Simon, did do you do we actually give the full Tank Abbott sort of uh, bio or just his context within 1999 WCW? Well, I guess in 1999 WCW, he was a a former UFC fighter that sort of had this reputation that even though he looked kind of like a hobo, he was this you know tough guy. And WCW brought him in thinking. <laughs> That he'd be like Ken Shamrock. They thought this guy was going to be their Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock, who again, people don't, they pretend it never happened. He was a pro wrestler before a mixed martial artist. Mm. He also looked like a goddamn action figure. Yeah. You know, he's like marketable, <laughs> this mm. ripped dude is good looking. Tank Abbott, what did they think they were going to get out of this guy? Even the name Tank Abbott sounds like it was generated in AI. Mm. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, uh, Tank Abbott somehow is involved in this feud as well. This is the first time that we see the dog-faced gremlin, um, Rick Steiner. I've also pointed out too, Simon, and you might disagree with me here, but I reckon this is like the defining WCW uh, 1999 sting, the take-no-shit sting. It's probably my favorite sting. This is the one where like all the NWO shenanigans are done and dusted. He's not fighting for the honor of WCW. He's just sting wearing crow makeup. Yeah, I think we've discussed it. I kind of like this kind of version of sting where he's got the personality of surface sting, but he looks like crow sting. Everything's sort of come together. But I think it gets better a little bit later when he changes the music because he doesn't need the spooky music because he's more animated. So once he gets seek and destroy, I think that's my favorite sting. Uh, mm. Very soon, anyway. But I just want to say with this match, and I feel bad. I blanked out so much of this match too. Like I really thought this would be better. Rick Steiner as a singles heel doesn't work at all. He doesn't have the character, the charisma of Scott. He doesn't know how to be entertaining like Scott as a heel. This was just boring, and the crowd was so dead silent compared to. If you said to someone in the 80s or early 90s, you're going to get Rick Steiner and Sting, it would have been, you know, riots in the crowd. This was just dull. Also, let's canvas some opinion here, gentlemen. What exactly is, like, if you say Scott Steiner, big popper pump, all right, that that sounds impressive. What the hell is a dog-faced gremlin? Like, what is that meant to be? Is that his wrestling name? Mm. Is that his nickname? Yeah. 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 The dog-faced gremlin. Yeah, mm. so you've got like Triple H, the cerebral assassin. You've got mm. Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. The heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Stone Cold Steve Austin. All of this sort of stuff. The people's champ, The Rock. And the dog-faced gremlin. Like what? Like it's... Yeah, I, I've written down here... Well, he's a gremlin with a dog face, obviously. <laughs> yeah, gremlin <laughs> with the face of a dog. Did you guys know that this was a uh, a, D, a a no DQ pinfall count anywhere match as well? Because I had no it, idea until the ending. Well, it was only when Sting went and uh, Stinger splashed on the guardrail that I'm like, they're spending a lot of time outside here, and no one's counting. That <laughs> <laughs> I sort of realized there. Um, there is another one too where 
another bit that pop because you're right this is a very zone out match mm. but when they go towards the little secondary commentary booth the wcw.com one which had mark van chris jericho and some dude on it do you know who the other dude was simon i uh, no idea he didn't look familiar did you even know that they went towards that booth? <laughs> Probably not, to be honest. They called it the WCW Internet Location, the is internet. what they called it. I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up. I was specifically going to ask what the what the hell this was. So that's where they would do, and actually this is the rare pay-per-view where they didn't cut to it. Normally they'd be like, and now you can log on to WCW.com and hear in real Mark audio. Madden in real audio talk to like, Perry Saturn about his match. So they call it the WCW internet location because I reckon the commentators actually think like when they set up the desk, like that's where the internet comes <laughs> from or whatever, is. you know, the internet location. Let's set up the, the WCW internet location. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that leads us to one of the craziest things which happens. Uh, they go backstage and Tank Abbott chokes out Sting while Scott Steiner unleashes some dogs. Uh, two Dobermans and a Rottweiler. Um, <laughs> Jack, do you want to take it from here? What yep. do you think? Uh, glad you got me on for this one. Um, <laughs> so, yes, my notes are, oh, my God, the dogs. Ha, ha, ha. Um, and that's pretty much my reaction when it was happening. Um, it's, you know, it's wrestling, right? We're supposed to have dumb stuff like this, but it feels like whenever actual dogs get involved, it never quite works out the way that they're hoping. Mm, mm. so these two dogs look like you know they're just greeting sting after work <laughs> what about the editing that was my favorite part this was clearly done in like you know they've already recorded this but they cut to the end the aisle with like scott bringing a dog then they cut away to the dog biting sting then they cut to another shot it just feels like a shot that's just been put in there and like he's in the wrong spot down the entrance or whatever oh you know, what about the cut to Doug Dillinger and security running like at full speed, like yeah, it was something yeah. out of Chariots of Fire? Yeah, mm. they clearly weren't there. It was just insane. And what was Sting holding? How come he had a towel in his hand or whatever, like a dog toy for the dog? Were they not meant to show us that angle? Because I don't think so. Yeah, because uh, it was fully like, here's the padding just in case the yeah. Doberman decides to give you a little yip. Yeah, and they're like, oh my God, they're mauling Sting. It's like Sting's just playing with a chew toy with the dog. <laughs> it was weird. The, the concern for Sting is also oh. hilarious. <laughs> Tony but, um, Schiavone just continuously apologizing. Oh, in WCW, you know, we, we're never going to show that footage. You know, we cut away because, you know, it's like in the NFL, if someone gets a concussion, they cut away. We apologize, fans. We're never going to show it. Nothing happens. Like it was. My favorite part of that entire thing is then they cut to a shot of the crowd, which is chanting bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and honestly, do you blame them? Yeah. No. Uh, post-match, well, it's not really post-match because it's still mid-match. It's a false count anywhere. The Steiners come back out and Rick Steiner is declared the winner because Scott Steiner says, my brother pinned Sting backstage, but no one saw it. And mm. then the referee's like, yeah, okay, I'll take I'll take your word for it. And yeah, they barely bullied the ref. The ref was like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, I guess you did pin him. Cool, you win. I just want to get bit by those vicious dogs, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and, and Tony Schiavone is going to need some severe <laughs> comforting here because anyone would think that someone had just like, you know, like opened an airlock and launched stick into space <laughs> the way he was reacting. Um, what did you think of, um, Jack, what did you think of the little rambly promo from Scott and Rick at the end? Because obviously we're well known. We, it's well known just how that uh, the Steiners are clearly the modern day Hemingways at their yes. time. This may be my favorite part of the show. It was genuinely hilarious how the commentators kept trying to start talking and they kept getting cut off by those two. Um, oh, God. No, yeah, that was great. I love that. Best part of the match. Rick Steiner also looks like those sunglasses grew out of his head. <laughs> my other favorite part of that is the ramble and Scott just goes, WCW sucks, followed by Rick who says, this is the shittest town in America, Baltimore. Yeah, I, I, I'm honestly, when he said that, I thought they were going to have to do another stop down and Tony Schiavone was going to be like, we sincerely apologize for the language. If anyone needs help, please, you know, call a counselor. Can't believe Rick Steiner said that. Anyone in Baltimore needs help. Anyone in Baltimore. Baltimore yeah, call the number on your screen. <laughs> Um, we then get a video recap of the tag team titles feud, which to say is a hodgepodge is um interesting like simon how do we how do we even break down um you got because you got the flock ish um the horseman and the what is then known as the jersey triad all mixed up together it's not bad but they try to cram so much in this tiny little bit look i don't remember this feud in detail but watching it back one thing that stood out to me so it was only earlier this year in 1999 we saw the infamous finger poke of doom and you know, one of the most hated angles of all time, and people say it was the downfall of WCW. They did it again here, and I had no memory of that, where Canyon pretends to get beat up, and then he pretends to defend the titles, and he takes one punch from DDP and loses the tag titles to him and then joins him as part of the Jersey Triad. Like, they repeated the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. Well, you know, if it worked, the, well, it didn't really work the first time. Not at all. <laughs> I was about to say, go did back the to opposite well. of work. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, we look, the one positive that I will say is like, we've watched a lot of WCW pay-per-views uh, in this tenure. And we've seen a lot of Hogan. We've seen a lot of Flair. We've seen a lot of Macho Man Randy Savage and the NWO. So to see some fresh faces was actually pretty good. Like, I'll take, like, that's the bare sort of, going into this match before anything you're like it's nice to see some new names in here but um it also doesn't start off well when the first thing you see on a nameplate is is brian knobs briefly before someone in the edit <laughs> truck's clearly gone no 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 <laughs> but um yeah so what did, what did you think of this one jack because this is actually these are at this point in time they're unknowns but they're known guys like they haven't been proven like for example ddp is coming off a main event run here. We knew Canyon as Mortis. Um, Benoit, uh, Benoit was clearly part of the Horseman. Perry Satin was part of the Flock. So each one sort of was known within a collective, but now we're kind of seeing them break out a little bit. It's sort of the beginnings of what they would eventually become. And what did you think seeing? Because this is, would you say it's, it's kind of like, it's not, it's definitely not a coming out party where, you know, like, wow, this is where we knew that was stars. But this is kind of a match where it's like, oh yeah, I can I I can see where these guys are at. 
Yeah, it's like a lot of guys we know, a lot of guys who go on to do great stuff um, and all of that. Um, yeah, but I just remember when this came on, I'd audibly I just said, oh, another match? Because um, <laughs> I was, I thought we were up to the main event. Like I was ready for wrestling to be over um, by this point. Um, so I wasn't exactly in the best mind space to watch this match. Mm. Um, but first time seeing Canyon wrestle, he's just been a, a punchline name that I say um, for, <laughs> for just wrestlers because it's just funny. Um, but the thing I kept to notice, the thing that like finally clicked for me when watching this match is there was like three wrestlers on this pay-per-view who looked exactly like Perry Satin. Like they had the exact <laughs> same bald head, full beard look and... That was it. What's it, why? I mean, was that a thing? It was a good look. I mean, I feel like all of us uh, have bald heads and bald beards right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of our people. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all just like uh, praying and subscribing to the Temple of Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> look, it was a good look back then because who did we have? We had Horace Hogan. We got, you know, Saturn. Mm. Um, there was one other guy. Um, he looked exactly the same. Yeah, I'm sure they did. It's, mm. Look, honestly... I agree with and you. And Arn Anderson, too. Oh, Arn Anderson, of course. The king <laughs> oh, of being bald with a, a beard. With a beard, yeah. This yeah, match was sure there was good wrestling and they did good moves, but there was no heat at all. The crowd could... What killed the crowd? Was it the ending of the Piper and Flair or the, the dumb swerve? Because the crowd was into that match, but everything after that match, they're just over it. I reckon it's it's the it's the fact that you know they're probably all mourning Sting because at this point in time, <laughs> you know they've just witnessed him being attacked by rabid dogs. No, no, but like I actually reckon some because I was thinking the same thing, and Jack Jack had a great point because we know what these guys go on to do or whatever, but all of that is kind of they really need to be rebuilt or you know WWE mm. put a coat of paint over it. It kind of just shows how poorly, even though we've seen these guys wrestle before, just how poor of a job WCW did to actually make these guys people you care about. Because you're right, the crowd could give absolutely zero uh, zero interest in it. No mm. one cared. And DDP is coming off a, a championship run here too. Like Really? Yeah, he was, was just... world champion on the last show. <laughs> oh my gosh. He yeah. seems like an absolute... like. Like a jabron, just getting a shot type yeah. of guy. If you just watch this show, mm. selling like crazy. My God, I've never really watched a DDP match either. But he, he looked like he was getting killed out there when he was getting hit. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, there are, and like this is the thing. Like there are names out there. Like Bam Bam Bigelow, he's well known. Like like everyone there is a good wrestler, but everyone is sitting on their hands in the crowd. And I think I actually reckon too, they were all probably all expecting Nash versus Macho Man, mm. like. It, it was just, it just seems to be that thing because if you've just had Sting and Rick Steiner, surely the only thing bigger than that yeah. is the main event, right? Mm. Like, um, look, it's a good, it's probably the best match of the, of the night. I is don't, it? I reckon it is. I, well, I, to me, having no heat, you get no credit. That's been my yeah. rule from the start of this no, show. And, and right I feel now. like I've said that about Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko and like Chris Jericho a lot. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not subscribing to this fake idea of, well, they did some good moves. I couldn't care less. Give me Disco Inferno again. 
at yeah. this point. <laughs> no, I'll give you that one. And Jack, you can you can be the the deciding vote here because you've gone in with fresh eyes. You know you know these guys. You've seen the moves. You've seen everything. Taking everything into account, what did you think of this one? Um. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think great guys, great wrestling, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But like when my my favorite match of this show is so far is Flair and Piper, and like it feels like the crowd is engaged in it. And I always go with with that. I don't really care if it's like you know quote unquote great wrestling. I want to see the crowd engaged um, and participating in the match. And that's always the funnest thing to watch for me. So I'll go there. I'll go disco inferno, as you mentioned, either one of those two probably flair is a little bit higher in my book. Um, but (laughs) not in terms of, yeah. Number one and number two, uh, Mount Rushmore, (laughs) flair and disco inferno. Also, also just a disclaimer, you said they, they're all great guys in this match. You meant they're all great guys as in wrestlers. Oh, yeah. Not a not a character reference of clearly one of them is people. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of them went on to do terrible things. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, They're all great yes. guys, you know. Wonderful saying, people. Not co-signing any of that horrible, mm. horrible stuff. Um, but uh, but hey, how about DDP's yoga? Eh? He's he's doing great these times. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, the the match ends with uh, DDP and Canyon winning the Jersey Triad form, and. The commentators make note that, you know, that they're going to be using the free bird rule here. And it's a trio that has got the tag team titles. So we'll move on to the recap of Kevin Nash versus midlife crisis Macho Man. We, we've seen it all. Limo with the poop, the midget in the bag. Actually, no, it wasn't a midget in the bag. It was <laughs> actually a small a, woman. Just a small just woman. Just... A small lady in the bag. And of course, the mysterious white hammer, which then leads us to Michael Buffer and... We have a running gag here, Jack, that Michael Buffer must be paid by the word count because he just he just loves to throw in every adjective that you could name under the sun. And but this time around, there's no waffling. Did you notice that too? Something like he's just like straight to the point. Oh, I thought he gave a bit. Oh, do you mean the entrance or like hyping the match? Hyping the match. Oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't do a lot, but he definitely stepped it up for Macho Man. Definitely. Because I, I was I had the theory. He goes more all out the older the person is. So he puts it on for Flair, Hogan, and Savage, and Piper. And then the next tier under that, he doesn't put as much into their intro. But hearing Michael Buffer use the phrase... Savagely sexy? Savagely sexy entourage is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) He also goes through every single combination you can have of the word macho and man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so the the other story that they're trying to tell is that Kevin Nash has got fractured ribs and a bad knee. And in the words of Michael Buffer, he refuses to take doctor's advice. (laughs) I love that he added that extra context. It was good. And did you notice the sign they cut to where it said, Nash, let's do it Wolfpack style. (laughs) But what I loved about it, it had Nash in quotation marks and Wolfpack style. I don't know why, why they needed to do that. Hey, uh, Nash, let's do it. Wolf Act. <laughs> like, Nash is his name. You don't need to quote What are you Nash. talking about? Just yeah. totally confused. Uh, oh, no, we, no, do you reckon, like, you know, he's actually done the sign and put Nash first without doing the Wolf Act? And someone's pointing like, no, no, you've got to, like, actually put the thing. It's like, oh, well, like, I can't, I don't want it to seem like, I can't correct the sign now. It's like, no, no, you have to correct the sign. Do it. It's like, well, like, Ah, what the hell? Fine. <laughs> <Too close. laughs> 
get it double wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so every single move Nash does seems to injure him. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a lot of back and forth in this match. Clearly, Macho Man is not the Macho Man Randy Savage that we all know and love, uh, which is unfortunate. But um, I, I don't think it's silly for me to say this, but the ladies actually do more. It feels like the girls do more moves than um, the guys actually do. Because I feel like Molly Holly wrestles more in this match than Kevin Nash did. Do you, would you disagree there, Jack? They did a lot. I, yeah. I agree. Um, there was one of the three women there seemed extremely uncomfortable and like not uh confident in what she was doing and then she ended up doing like the biggest move i think of of the the crew of three um but yeah no shout out to them they did well yeah well that might have been miss madness because she played the character of being like the beauty pageant girl and it was like Uh, oh no she's just the lady was it her what was the three what was the name of the three so So her miss madness there was medusa Medusa who's wearing like yeah the easiest we'll- way, the easiest way to go through it. So Miss Madness, aka Molly Holly, was in the like evening gown, blue dress. Mm-hmm. Medusa in the um, like the red, white, and blue America, America, yeah, 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 kind of gear. And then Gorgeous George, uh, who was just there for the eye candy in and- silver. Yeah, that might be the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they all did all right. I mean, someone had to do some moves because Nash and Macho clearly decided to just take it easy tonight. It wasn't necessarily bad. It just felt like a, a very simple main event style match. They weren't doing a lot. And Nash had the excuse in that he was selling the car crash. So he was also wrestling in slow motion like that. <laughs> no, he was just really good at selling. <laughs> Why does the writing on Nash's tights look so bad? The big sexy font? Yeah, like I it looks know. like it's written by a six-year-old. Like, wh- why is that his his font? Or maybe to give it the look of spray paint, you know, a carryover from the NWO kind of vibe. It's like not cool spray paint. No, it's, it's like just bad spray paint. <laughs> a six-year-old. Also, I also thought it was hilarious too that like during his entrance because he still had the vest on, it just looked like it said "Big Sex" on the, <laughs> on the front of his. <laughs> That's the bootleg shirt you get from the market. Big yeah, sex. Big sex. Yeah. Kevin Nash. Big sex for Kevin Nosh or something yeah. like that. No. Well, that's what that person in the crowd wanted to do with yeah. Kevin Nash. Big sex. Whoopbag style. Um, but yeah, so um, another storyline in this is that the flying elbow from Macho Man has been banned, but um, Kevin Nash wanted to reinstate it because he wanted, uh, quote unquote, Macho Man at his best. So... Uh, Savage does get a flying elbow, but Nash kicks out of it, and Savage cannot believe it, which then leads us to our second part of this very, very short stanza. Um, There's a big boot on Savage as the straps come down. Sets him up for the jackknife powerbomb, nails it, but then Team Madness is in, and Sid Vicious makes his return to WCW with a big boot. He then gives a powerbomb to Kevin Nash, and the ref calls the disqualification, ending the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh Jack, thoughts? <laughs> um yeah. Ash is <laughs> thick at this point, is what yeah. I noticed. He is a big boy at this stage. Um so many matches just ending this way in this mm. pay-per-view of just yep. like heels beating down the faces. Like well, what everything? That's WCW. 
Yeah, is, is this just what WCW yeah. booking was like the entire run? Just like all these matches ending in this really unsatisfying, inclusive <laughs> way? It's a good yeah. way to put it, unsatisfying, yeah. Mm. Once the NWO got hot, they just ran that formula into the ground. And then even when the, the NWO aren't there, they just kept doing it in every match. And yeah, it really just takes the wind out of your sails when you just see it over and over for three hours. And now that I actually remember it, Jack sort of unlocked a, a core memory of 1999 WCW because then after, towards the back end of the year, the crowds are that annoyed at endings that they just fill the ring with garbage. Like they literally throw drinks, everything they can get their hands on. Like there's not really a pay-per-view or a nitro that doesn't end with garbage in the ring, is there, Simon? Oh, well, this pay-per-view ended with garbage in the ring. Um, <laughs> Can I just say, though, look, I'm excited to see Sid back. I know this isn't him at his peak. He had a great run in WWE, and he was always super over, like shockingly watching it back. The powerbomb he gave Kevin Nash was so impressive. Kevin Nash, like you said, Jack, is gigantic, mm -hmm. and Sid did it with ease. Like, what a beast. And the crowd was into Sid. There's always this weird thing with Sid where as much as people like to shit talk him and say, oh, Sid was terrible... How come he was over everywhere he went? Even yeah. And again, where he's coming from here, he had done his uh, stint in ECW for two years, where again, the ECW, ooh, we're smarter than everyone else crowd, they loved Sid too. No one knows how to explain it. Yeah. It's got a look. He, the, the old, of a look. The, the you can only be a wrestler if you're that guy. Like if you look like that, what else are you going to do? Softball, yeah, well, softball. <laughs> yeah, that, that's action that, that, hero. That's my favorite yeah. thing. That's my favorite little um, like footnote about um, about Sid Vicious is that he really loves softball to the point where he will skip a pay per view to go to a softball game and play. I uh, love that. I love the fact that he's derailed his own career at times because he's like, oh, I got softball on during those three months, which is so good. Because that's something that I would think I would do if I had even this high paying job and I like doing something else. More. I'd be like, yeah, no, I don't care. I've got the other thing on. Why would I come to work? That's hilarious. I, I must say I was pretty disappointed um, that they actually didn't come through with the move being banned. I, I find that's like one of my favorite things that happens in matches. Like yeah. one of my favorite WWE matches is... Um, was it Shawn Michaels versus Randy Orton? Mm, um, Sweet Chin Music Sweet is Chin banned. Music is banned. Yeah. It's a great match. There's really a bit good. and he's going to do it anyway. He says he doesn't care when he's tuning up the band. Then he hesitates. Amazing. Good. And then he gets RKO. Perfect. Yeah. It's great they storytelling. Just, yeah, they done away with a, a cool opportunity just to like have Kevin Nash have some like vaguely heroic thing of like, oh, he demanded it was on so he could face Randy Savage at what? his uh, highest level. I also kick love... out of it or or whatever. Mm. Like it would have created drama. They didn't even do it. I also love when a movie is banned, how they kind of like go for it and then do that audible like, yeah. oh, that's right. I can't do it because it's banned. <laughs> but yeah, that, that wraps up the pay-per-view. And uh, look, we normally go through the MVP here, but I was absolutely struggling to find out like who was the guy, what was the common thread that made this pay-per-view watchable? And I... I I honestly couldn't find an MVP here, Simon. Like, not we've we've really scraped the bottom of the barrel sometimes and given it to like Mean Gene Oakland or a commentator. But I, for the life of me, can't pick anyone. Like, uh, can you? 
I don't know. I'm going to say Sid for the power bomb. <laughs> like nothing else interest like stood out. Flair and Piper, we've seen them do better, and also that ending ruined it. Um, Buff and Disco, like what faint praise to be like the two guys who had a very normal wrestling match. MVP to you, like <laughs> this was. You know what, Tony Schiavone, and, and as much as I dislike his commentary, I'm going to give it to him. MVP for the final line of the night that sums up the whole show. He said, well, folks, sometimes you can just throw logic out the window. That sums up this goddamn show. <laughs> uh, Jack, any any thoughts on who would be an MVP? I'll take uh, Piper for doing the slowest sunset flip in history. <laughs> the slowest and oiliest, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Sting for being just a solid company man. The crap that this guy has put up with during his career, when he knows that the grass is greener somewhere else. Yeah. He's just a, like, just a dude that has been there through the trenches going, you know what, if that's what you boys need, I'll happily do it. So, yeah, look, that wraps up another edition of Reliving the War. Next up for WCW, it is Bash of the Beach 1999, which also coincides with the three-year anniversary of uh, Reliving the War. But the next episode that we're going to be doing is King of the Ring 1999. So I'm going to go through that infamous pay for you. But Jack, just uh, your thoughts about WCW after that little taster. If this was a restaurant, would you come back and dine? I think it's about to take off, guys. I think WCW <laughs> is set for success after this. Just stay tuned. Can I just ask, Jack, you mentioned before that you were just hoping the main event was going to come on. We probably should have uh, given you the advice. Did you watch this show in one sitting? Yeah. Oh, God damn. Oh, <laughs> Never do that with a WCW show. I think my record is breaking it up into yeah. five sittings to get through one. <laughs> It was like two hours and 48 minutes and it felt like a lot longer. Yeah. Mm. Something about these shows. Yeah. 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 Roughly. But, but you know what? Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll uh, get you on for a WWF pay for you. We generally like to do that as a, as a make good for, um, <laughs> for, for when we, uh, when we do make someone sit through. In fact, you know, I was, maybe we'll get you on for SummerSlam 1999, which is Ooh. a monumental oh. It's one of my least favorite pay-per-views ever. Okay. Get me <laughs> you on know what? So it could feel Simon's pain. Yeah. It, look, it could be better with age. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how we go. But uh, Jack, if anyone does want to um, follow you on the socials or what work you're up to, because um, I, I feel like you've done a lot more than just the Apollo 13 podcast that we talked <laughs> about during uh, the height of COVID back in the day. But uh, where can we find some of the stuff that you're working on, bro? Uh, so yeah, I am a executive producer for a podcasting agency, um, called Wavelength Creative. Um, and we're putting out a bunch of shows all the time. Uh, two new shows launching pretty soon. We don't have launch dates, but they're coming up soon. So, uh, a podcast for Swinburne University and a podcast for, um, State Library Victoria. Um, two really cool shows. Uh, excited to see them coming, but I probably can't say more than that because nothing has been announced yet, but soon yeah do yourself a favor though if you haven't heard uh the apollo 13 work that he has done it was done um a couple of years back now so if you've already listened to it uh my apologies but it's always worth a revisit but uh, do yourself a favor and track that one down but uh look jack apologies for making you sit through uh 1999 wcw hopefully we can make it up to you by bringing you on for a, a blockbuster wwf 1999 pay for you but uh, we appreciate you getting on board and we'll get you on again soon and uh simon Next up, 
King of the Ring 1999, eh? Mm. Who pulled the briefcase? That's all I remember about this pay-per-view. <laughs> but yeah, make sure you follow us on the socials. Grey Wolf ENT is where you can find us. And we'll catch you next time for another edition of Reliving the War. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. GreyWolfEntertainment.net.